Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Have you ever looked up what your name means? Have you ever got online or checked and looked at what your name means? My name is Kevin, and that comes from an Irish word that means handsome. So I totally get it. Makes, <laughs> makes sense to me. My, my wife's name is Leanne, and that has an English origin that means gracious or merciful. Leanne was actually given her name because it was a combination of her parents' names. Her dad's name is Leroy, and her mom's name was Annette, so her name is Leanne, a combination of those two names. I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit that I did not know that for a long, long time. Uh, Our daughter's name is Jessica. That's from a Hebrew word that means God behold. And then our son's name is Kyle, and it has Scottish and Irish origins, and it means a narrow or straight channel, like a narrow waterway between two islands. It's interesting to me, we didn't really choose those names for our kids based on those meanings, but those meanings could be used as fairly good descriptions for who they are. Last Sunday I spoke about the first word or the first name used for God. It was the Hebrew word Elohim. And it's a word that means creator. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God, or in the beginning Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Today I want to consider another word, another name that's used for God. It's the Hebrew word Adonai. Adonai. That word gets translated into the English word Lord. But now you need to bear with me here a little bit because I'm going to get technical for just a moment. In Hebrew, there is more than one word that gets translated into the word Lord. In our English Bibles, you'll see the word Lord spelled in three different ways. It can be spelled with all lowercase letters. It can be spelled with just the L capitalized, or it can be spelled with all of the letters capitalized. And that is done by the English translators trying to distinguish which Hebrew word is actually being used. Typically, When the word has all the letters capitalized, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh, which also means Lord. Typically, when the word is in all small letters, it's the Hebrew word Adon. And then typically, when just the L is capitalized, it is the Hebrew word Adonai. And here's the difference. Again, I say, I know this is a little technical, but here's the difference. Yahweh is a very sacred name for God, and we're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come. But Adon and Adonai are related words. It's a word that's used about 300 times in the Old Testament. It's used 215 times in the singular form, which is that word Adon. Adon. 
the best way to think of that word is to think of a human authority or an authority based on position or status. It's a word that we would use for our employer or for our boss. It's a word kind of similar to saying, yes, sir. But when the word is used in the plural form, which is Adonai, it's always a reference to God. The plural, it's used plural, it might be used plural because of the Trinity. God the Father, Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. Or it might just be used as a plural in a way of emphasis, emphasizing that God is the ultimate authority. And not to make things even more confusing, but not all of our English Bibles, not all of our English translations use the same rules to distinguish which actual Hebrew word is being used for the word Lord. But all that is to say, here's what we need to know, here's what we need to acknowledge. The name of God, the name Adonai, is a name that signifies ultimate authority. Adonai means ultimate authority. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Keep that in mind, but let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever had that moment where you thought that maybe it was about to be the end? Have you had what they would call that near-death moment? Some type of close call. Maybe it was something medical. There was an illness or there was an injury. Maybe it was some type of accident where, boy, things could have gone a lot worse. In that moment, in that moment, did you have peace? Did you have confidence? In Psalm 16, David is giving praise to God. And in verse 9, he says this. He says, you did not abandon me to the grave. Most scholars believe that David is writing this psalm after a close call. David has had that moment where he thought maybe it was the end. And so he writes this psalm in reflection to that moment. David had a near-death moment, probably in a battle. And so we read, and let's read this together, read Psalm 16. Psalm 16 says, Protect me, God, because I trust in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Every good thing I have comes from you. As for the godly people in the world, they are the wonderful ones I enjoy. But those who turn to idols will have much pain, and I will not offer blood to those idols or even speak their names. No, the Lord is all I need. He takes care of me. My share in life has been pleasant. My part has been beautiful. I praise the Lord because he advises me. Even at night I feel his leading. I keep the Lord before me always because he's close by my side. I will not be hurt. So I rejoice and I'm glad even my body has hope because you will not leave me in the grave. You will not let your Holy One rot. You will teach me how to live a holy life. Being with you will fill me with joy. At your right hand, I will find pleasure forever. 
When I read through that psalm, there's two words that I would use to summarize it. Summarizing this psalm, I would use the words confident and loyalty. Confidence and loyalty. David has confidence that God will protect him. He trusts in God. He believes that everything good has come from God. And he says, the Lord is all I need. The Lord is all I need. And he says, he takes care of me. You see, David feels the Lord leading his life. And because the Lord is close, he will not be hurt. He says, at your right hand, I will find pleasures forever. Can you hear the confidence of David in this psalm? Can you hear the confidence? David's confident because he felt safe. You probably don't recognize the name Jane Marziski. Maybe you recognize her stage name. She went by the name Nightbird. And she chose that to be her stage name. She chose to sing with that name because she had had a dream three nights in a row where birds were singing at night, in the dark of night. And she was going through some dark stuff. In 2017, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And she was told at that point in 2017 that she had probably six months to live. In 2018, she was declared cancer-free. But then just a few months after that, the cancer was back. And at this point, her husband left her. In 2020, she was 30 years old and once again declared to be cancer-free, but once again, it came back. It was in her liver, in her spine, and in her lungs. 30 years old, and she's had cancer three times currently has it. In June of that year, she auditioned for the show America's Got Talent. And she told her story, and she sang a song that she had wrote, a song called It's Okay. And with tears in his eyes, one of the judges, Simon Cowell, who's known for being very blunt and honest, he gave her the golden buzzer, which meant that she didn't have to go through the other rounds. She was automatically put into the finals. She ended up, or two days after, the, the audience, the judges, the nation, they were all moved by her story and moved by her song. And two days after her audition, that song, It's Okay, was number one on iTunes. She ended up, though, having to withdraw from the competition because the cancer had gotten worse. And she needed to have the energy to focus on that battle. Last Sunday, she passed away. I, I tell her story because she was an inspiration. And her strength and her attitude and her confidence, America was captivated by her. Because that type of attitude, having that joy and having that confidence, it's very unnatural in those circumstances. It blew the judges away as she just radiated it from the stage. Where does it come from? When we watched her on the show, I had a feeling about where it came from. A good, strong faith in God is sometimes seen even before it's ever spoken. 
And I have to admit that I'm doing some assuming here. I'm making some assumptions. I did not know her personally. And only the Lord knows a person's heart. But in an interview, she said this. She said, I believe that God can heal in one instant. I believe that no good thing does he withhold. In a blog post, she said, maybe we missed it. What God showed us when he first introduced himself, that he will crawl into the dirt to be near us and he will fill our lungs with air when we don't know how to breathe. And then she wrote a blog post called God is on the bathroom floor. She talked about being broke down on the bathroom floor and just sobbing. And she says, she wrote, I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Every morning, he sent them mercy bread from heaven. I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. And then in another post, she wrote, When it comes to pain, God isn't often in the business of taking it away. Instead, he adds to it. He's more of a giver than a taker. He doesn't take away my darkness, he adds light. He doesn't spare me of thirst, he brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness, he comes near. So why do we believe that when we're in pain, it must mean that God is far? Her family shared the news that she had passed, and they said this, they said, her lasting legacy will be the gift of hope she gave in so many through her music and the strength she found in Jesus. You see, she found strength in the same place that David did. She found confidence the same way that David found confidence. She found strength by trusting in the Lord. But I want to look again at Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 2. I don't know if you caught this. David writes, he says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. The word Lord is used twice in that verse. But in Hebrew, they're different words. I said to the Lord, Yahweh, you are my Lord, Adonai. I said to the Lord, Yahweh, creator, God that you above all, that you are my Adonai. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are my authority. Because you remember the significance of that word. Adonai is the word that means ultimate authority or dominant or in charge. Adonai is the word Lord that is used indicating him as supreme ruler. David said to the Lord, you are my Lord. You are an authority over me. You are in charge. You are leading and I am following. How can David say The Lord is all I need. He takes care of me. How can a young woman who's just 30 years old with a terminal cancer have such a radiating joy and strength, such a positive attitude, and sing a song called, It's Okay? The answer is, because the Lord was the Lord of their life. Where does peace come from? Where does confidence come from? It comes from stepping back and submitting to God. Psalm 16 is about confidence. It's also about loyalty. 
It's about trusting God because he's the Lord of your life. Now, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So it doesn't use the word Adonai, but it does use the word Kyrios. And in general, the word Kyrios in the New Testament means the same thing. It means master. It, it was used as a title of respect for authority. In Matthew chapter 8, a leper approached Jesus and he said, Lord, you can heal me if you will. When he called Jesus Lord, he was giving respect to, to Jesus as a teacher and as a healer. But after the resurrection, after the resurrection, calling Jesus Lord came to mean something even more. Jesus as Lord means that he is the ultimate authority. He is God. On the day of Pentecost, when the Christian church first began, the disciple Peter stood up and he said, God has made Jesus, the man you nailed to the cross, both Lord and Christ. If we look at both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's perfectly clear that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the very definition of Adonai. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Adonai. When we say, when we say Jesus is Lord, we are declaring that Jesus is God. We're saying that Jesus has authority over our life. We're pledging our allegiance to him. When we say Jesus is Lord, we are making a commitment to trust in him. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're placing our faith in who he is. When we say Jesus is Lord, we are making a promise to live in obedience to him. Being a Christian means that Jesus is our Lord. That's what being a Christian means. It doesn't mean, oh, I attend church. It doesn't mean, oh, I try to live some moral life. Being a Christian means Jesus is my Lord. But let me be sure to assure you of this. Jesus is Lord regardless whether or not we acknowledge that. Jesus is Lord regardless whether or not we acknowledge it. Jesus is not Lord just because we declare him to be Lord. He is Lord because that's who he is. That's who he is. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says, So God raised him to the highest place. God made his name greater than every other name, so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to the Father. Jesus is Lord. Those outside of the faith have refused to believe that or refused to accept that. But those in the faith, Christians, have said yes. Yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord, and I will submit to him as Lord of my life. If we look again at Psalm 16, David said, 
Lord, you are my Lord, Adonai. And then the entire psalm is an expression of what that means. It's David explaining what that means, that the Lord is his Lord. In Psalm 16, verse 2 through 4, he says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Every good thing I have comes from you. As for the godly people in this world, they're the wonderful ones I enjoy. But for those who turn to idols, they'll have much pain. I will not offer blood to those idols or even speak their names. Verse 7 and 8 says, I praise the Lord because he advises me. Even at night I feel his leading. I keep the Lord before me always. Verse 11 says, you'll teach me how to live a holy life. Being with you will fill me with joy. At your right hand I'll find pleasures forever. This is David talking about what it means that the Lord is the Lord of his life. And his words are pretty indicative of what it looks like when the Lord is Lord of our life. When he's Lord of our life, we live thankful lives, recognizing God's blessings. We enjoy being with other Christians. We turn away from any idols. We let nothing take a higher priority in our life. We praise God and we spend time praying and letting him speak into our life. We always keep the Lord in front of us. We learn to live holy lives and the joy of the Lord overflows. We are satisfied and even thrilled to be with God. That's what it means to have the Lord as the Lord of our life. Is he Lord of your life? Is he Adonai. If you have your Bibles with you, keep your thumb there on Psalm 16. If you're using your phone, a Bible app on your phone, just open up another page. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2. Remember, Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost. It's where Peter is declaring Jesus as Lord. The church is being born. The Christian church is starting And listen to what he says. Listen to what he says in Acts 2, verse 22 through 25. Peter says, People of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus from Nazareth was a very special man. God clearly showed this to you by the miracles, wonders, and signs he did through Jesus. You all know this because it happened right here among you. Jesus was given to you with the help of those who don't know the law. You put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But this was God's plan, which he had made long ago. He knew all this would happen. God raised Jesus from the dead and set him free from the pain of death because death could not hold him. For David said this about him. And then what does Peter do? He reads, he quotes Psalm 16, the psalm that we just read from David. He reads Psalm 16 and he applies those words To Jesus. Jesus was not left in the grave. The resurrection is evidence that Jesus is Lord. And when we accept that, when we live in submission to Jesus, when He is our Lord and Savior, we can echo these words of Psalm 16. The Lord is all that I need. He takes care of me. My share in life has been pleasant. My part has been beautiful. 
I want to read that verse, verse 6. I want to read that in the English Standard Version. Here's how the English Standard Version puts verse 6. It says, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You see, the language that's used here gives us a picture. It gives us the picture of a very good, a very abundant inheritance. You can imagine a wealthy father sitting down with his children, and he lays a map across the table. And then he begins to draw a big circle around all the land that he owns, all the good, productive, valuable land that he is giving to his children. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When Jesus is our Lord, we have a beautiful inheritance. We did not work for it. We did not earn it. It was paid for by Christ. Is the Lord the Lord of your life, is he Adonai? Do you live under his authority, his authority and will you receive that inheritance? Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life. Mm-hmm.